So let's start today with a, a question that uh, I think is very uh, important to consider. Kyle Eidelman asked people, would you fill in this blank? And it's a statement, Jesus became real when? And then fill in the blank, Jesus became real when? I'll give you the answers that other people gave in the survey to that, but stop and think about it. For your own life, Jesus became real when? You think about a, a time after the resurrection when the disciples had told, for instance, Thomas that they saw the risen Christ. And of course, Thomas, you know, in John 20 had said, I have to see that for myself and I had to put my hands in his side. And it's at that moment when Jesus then appears and says to Thomas, here, place your, your hand in my side. And he says, don't doubt, but believe. And then Thomas, of course, kneels down and says, my, my Lord and my God. It's important as Sulin Hughes shares, those who doubt most, yet strive to overcome their doubts, turn out to be some of Christ's strongest disciples. Consider back in the 1800s, Simon Greenleaf, he worked at Harvard Law. He was an outspoken atheist. He enjoyed challenging people in his class. If they said they were believers, he enjoyed debate. One class, though, challenged him and said, you know, why don't you spend as much time investigating the resurrection of Christ through the New Testament, through outside documentation? Spend as much time investigating that as you do investigating cases. Simon Greenleaf then did that very thing. He became a believer in Christ, and this former atheist then said this, the resurrection of Jesus is one of the best established facts in all of history. I love Charles Swindoll here. He says, somebody here today has seen God, turn their lives around, pick them up out of the gutter, liberate them from drugs, give them a job, put them in a house, place a car in their driveway. And when they speak, they're not talking about what somebody told them. They're talking about what they have seen God do themselves. I do not want a they said so gospel. I want my own story. You go back and you look at Thomas. That's what Thomas wants as well. When the others said we have seen Jesus, he's alive. Thomas, he wanted his own story. He didn't want a said so story. He wanted his own experience to know Jesus alive. And of course, then we're told that Jesus appears unto him and he becomes this believer. We'll see what happened to Thomas here in just a moment. But he appears two other places in the Gospel of John, two very important places. Now, he's always there when we're told the disciples are gathered, but specifically, he's mentioned two other places. The other one we'll find is John 14, when Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? And Jesus answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas is part of one of the most uh, key conversations with Jesus when it comes to theology. A very often quoted verse, and Thomas is the one who said, what is the way? And Jesus replied, I am the way. So Thomas is this person of faith, and he was a, a faithful believer, and his life was changed from that moment. His moment, Jesus became most real, was when he saw the risen Lord. Now, what happened to Thomas after Pentecost? Not a lot of information in Scripture, but history tells us he went to India. And in India, he shared the gospel, and he became a martyr. He was speared there. In fact, in India today, the, the name for Thomas in India is Toma, and it's a very popular name today. That's the impact that Thomas made upon the, the people there. He's considered the, the saint of India. So uh, again, remember 
the challenge here to stop and say, Jesus became most real to me when? Charles Swindoll said this, Thomas takes one look at Jesus and says, my Lord and my God. So Thomas says to Jesus, I thought I needed to put my finger in your hand or my hand in your side, but just one look at your face has convinced me you are who you say you are. You are worthy of worship. Just one look at Jesus will put faith in your heart, make you put down the bottle, make you throw away the needle, make you clean up your life. Make you love your enemies, make you cease your lying, make you back up on your backbiting, make you stop your stealing, make you turn from your wicked ways. Just one look from Jesus will make your life brand new. You know, Smith Wigglesworth talked about the reality of seeing the face of Christ and not the circumstances. He said himself, you can never pray a prayer of faith. If you look at the person needing it, there's only one place to look, and that is Jesus. He gives a dramatic example of that. One day he was called to a young man's house. This man was very ill. And it took him a number of days to get to this town. He said when he got there, he found the whole town was expecting him. He knocks on the door and asks the mother, is he alive? And she replies, barely. As Wigglesworth would share, he, he went in, he put his hands on this young man, and he was breathing just barely. And he said his name, Martin. This man told him, the doctor said, if I move, I'll never move again. Shall I try to get up? And Wigglesworth said, no. I'll read his account. I spent the rest of the day in prayer. I then went back to Martin's room alone. I said, I believe when I lay hands on you, the glory of heaven will fill this place. I laid my hands on him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And immediately the glory of the Lord filled that room. I fell to the floor. I did not see what took place on the bed, but this young man began to shout, glory, glory. He then stood before me perfectly healed. He went, opened the door, and his father stood there. He said, Father, the Lord raised me up. His father fell to the floor and cried unto God for salvation. So Jesus became most real to me when? Let's look at one more place where Thomas appears, the third place you find him in the Gospel of John is John chapter 11. This is when Lazarus has died. Let's read a couple verses from this story, but we're told, when Jesus heard Lazarus was sick, he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. But Rabbi, they said, a short while ago, the people there tried to stone you, and yet you are going back? He said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep. I'm going there to wake him up. And then Thomas said to the disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. What an amazing statement. Hopefully that's our faith as well. Lazarus has died. Jesus says, I go to raise him up. He begins to leave. And the other disciples are scared because the people there tried to stone them. And Thomas rises up in faith and said, let us also go that we may die with him. Hopefully that's our own heart's cry as well, that we say, you know what, let me follow Jesus, though it's going to cost me everything. Let me go with him whether anybody else is going or not. Because Jesus became most real to me when? Let me give the answers some people gave to that statement, fill in this blank. Jesus became real when I could no longer pretend I was in control. I had no one else to turn to. 
Jesus became real when I was told I had three months to live. I found out my husband was having an affair. I never felt so alone in my life. Jesus became real when I sat on my bed with a gun in my hand, but said a prayer before pulling the trigger. I don't remember the last time I prayed. He became most real when the divorce papers arrived in the mail and I could no longer pretend I could fix things. When my depression became too much to bear. When I finally admitted I wasn't strong enough to save my marriage. You know, whether it's on the mountaintop or in the valley, we know that Jesus will meet us at that place where we come to the end of ourself. And it's that place when we are weak, he says, now you can be strong. Because our faith is dependent upon him and he becomes most real in that moment. And it becomes a a life-changing moment for us. You know, Charles Wesley along with his brother, John Wesley, you know, two giants of the faith. They came to the USA in the 1700s as evangelists, but they they didn't find a lot of receptivity here. So they went back overseas and they became, you know, this missionary family that were used greatly by God. In fact, Charles Wesley, he went back to uh, London. But he himself shared, you know, when Christ became most real to him, he said, the darkness left my life and there was just light. And Charles Wesley wrote 7,000 hymns. But here's something fascinating about Charles Wesley. You know, a few months after he received Christ, he wrote a song. And that song originally was titled The Easter Song. And we still sing that song today. It eventually got renamed. But he's the one that wrote, Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. Earth and heaven and chorus say, Alleluia. Raise your joys and triumphs high. Alleluia. Sing ye heavens and earth reply. Alleluia. You know, Kyle Eidelman, he asked a a follow-up question. Would you fill in this statement? So the first one, Jesus became most real. And the second one is this. More than anything else, I want God to use me to, and fill in the blank. Now that Jesus is real... What would you fill in that blank? More than anything else, I want God to use me to, and I'll give you some answers that people gave. I want God to use me to show my cancer doctors the difference Jesus makes. To help addicts overcome their addictions. To introduce my neighbor to Jesus. To use me as a single mom to raise my boys to be world changers. I want God to use me to share the gospel with prison inmates. To rescue children from human trafficking. To reach out to everyone in my neighborhood. More than anything else, I want God to use me to show my husband that Jesus has changed my life. You see, when we, like Thomas, say, I will go with him though it cost me my very life. Because one look at his face brings me to worship where I say, my, my Lord and my God. You know, sometimes we get out of center with, with life and faith. And I want to give you a simple prayer that you can use here today. And we'll take a few moments and do this, but you can do this at any time. It's a great thing to use, say, Monday morning during a traffic jam on the way to work. 
it's a great thing to use when you're frustrated with somebody in your family. You know, people make the mistake, you know, say husbands and wives and they're upset and they say, because I'm upset, we need to talk about this now. And you get two upset people talking about something. I've said it before. It's true. There are no answers in anger. There are no answers in fear. The reason is, from a spiritual standpoint, your spirit is weak. And from a physical standpoint, your brain is not resourceful. When you're in an unresourceful state, anger, fear, upset, jealousy, resentment, regret, depression, your brain simply struggles to to function very well. So you don't find real answers. When you're in a resourceful state, like love, joy, peace, happiness, humor, contribution in that state you find all these answers because you're strong in your spirit and your your brain it's optimal but you can be in that resourceful state no matter what the circumstances are that's why with thomas you know the circumstance was there's been this trial and and this crucifixion but then days later he takes his eyes off the circumstance and he sees jesus and he goes boldly then to india to lay down his own life you see and so this prayer, known as the Ho'oponopono prayer, or for short, the Hawaiian prayer, you know, it's, a, it's just a powerful thing to stop and use. And you might have something specific that comes to mind, but you don't need to. You can just say the prayer, and it gets you centered back in that state of love and joy and peace. And from that state, then, you can talk to maybe a, a child you were frustrated with. It's from that state that you can handle maybe bad news from somebody, maybe a challenge at work when you think my whole world's turned upside down, but you get back into a centered state in Christ and suddenly you can say, I can face all things in him who gives me the strength. And so maybe you think about something specific. Maybe it's just a, a statement to yourself. Maybe people stay. You just take a moment and you quietly share them. You can do it out loud. You can do it just quietly in your heart. But there's two steps. It's to go through the prayer three times, and the other step is to put your hand on your heart. When you put your hand on your heart, you're connecting then physically with your heart and your brain. And when they connect, that's when fear disappears. That's when resentment, frustration, anger disappears because, as Jesus says, it's out of the heart that life flows. We know that's true spiritually. We know from a biological standpoint as well, a physiological standpoint, just the act of putting your hand on your heart changes your entire emotional well-being. So here's the prayer. I'll read it and then we'll go through it. But it's simply this. It's four simple statements. Number one, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And again, as you do this, you just do it quietly, slowly, and you go through it three times and something specific might come to mind or maybe nothing specific, but it's just enough to say, I'm saying this because I want to be more focused and grounded in Christ. So let's take a moment, put your hand on your heart and I'll, I'll read it and you can just kind of follow along and share it quietly. Well, let's go through this prayer to get back into that place where we see I want to just see his face I love you I'm sorry please forgive me 
Thank you. You know, if you're a husband and wife, this is something powerful to reconnect. If you're in a place of frustration, to stop and each of you staring eye to eye and one person goes through it, then the next person goes through it and you go through it back and forth three times and you'll find that the frustration's gone. It doesn't matter, you know, what the situation was, what the issue was. What matters is being grounded and centered in Christ and from a place of giving and love, you find better answers. Let's go through it again. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. You know, I've seen, I'm sure you have two organizations, they make the mistake when there's an emergency and people are anxious and frustrated. They say, we need to have a meeting right now. And that's the worst thing to do. Get a bunch of people in a bad state in a room together, feeding off each other. Step back and slow down and simply... Find that center in Christ. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Through the prayer one more time. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. And Jesus said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand. Put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Corey Ten Boom shares about a, a moment that Jesus became so real in, in her life. She was in, in Russia during the Cold War. She was asked to go to visit a a family. She got to the house and she said she got there and there's this bedridden woman. She could only move her index finger. And Corey kind of looked at her in her mind. She thought, how is God going to use this moment? Why doesn't God heal this woman? And as she would share, the husband saw the concern on her face and he said, you know, God has a purpose for my wife. He went on to share that every Christian in town is watched closely by the secret police. But because my wife has been sick for so long, no one ever looks in on her. He would go on and say, she's the only person who can do what she does undetected by the police. He then pulls back her blanket and there's a Bible. Pulls back her blanket further, there's a typewriter. And Corey learned that this saint, only able to move her index finger, she was translating the Bible into her Russian language. Because faith, it looks at the face of Christ, not the circumstances. So when did Jesus become most real to you? What is it more than anything else? that you want God to do with your life. That we might say like Thomas, let us go with him because he is the way, the truth, and the life.